Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast, where we educate you on the business of cybersecurity. With my uh, co-host this week, we have Randy Bryan back with us from Tech Rescue and down in San Marco, Texas. Yes, San Marcos, um, also known as somewhere down in Texas. That's what we like to go by. At least I remember. That's right. And and Andre, um, Reginald Andre, Art Solvers, Miami, Florida. Welcome to the show, boys. Hey, good to be here, man. Are we are we ready for another another episode and another week of educating everybody on all the fun we're having over here in Cyberland? Yeah. yeah. So never a shortage of stuff to talk about. Nope. So here we go, folks. Uh, Andre, Randy, and I do this out of the goodness of our heart to spread the word about cybersecurity because it's something we're passionate about and we're something. It's something that we think people are lacking education around and awareness around and really trying to shed light on what the heck is going on out there, how you can protect yourself and how bad it really is out there because shit, man, this week it made me realize things are pretty bad out there when it comes to the products we have to support that these manufacturers are putting out that basically are, have built in vulnerabilities that, you know, are really hard to defend against uh, at the end of the day. So we're going to jump into that, but remember, please, Share, share this show with your friends and family. That's the only fee if you're educated, enlightened, if we helped you out in any way. Just share the show. Um, that's how we're going to grow this thing. And uh, we're doing a really good job at growing the show every week. We could use more help, more likes, uh, more ratings on your on your podcast channels. Head over to our YouTube and our, and our Facebook pages and share those suckers out to your friends and family and let them see the kind of content and information we're putting out and it will grow organically. If they like our stuff, if you don't like our stuff, don't watch and don't share. So it's that simple. So today we're going to jump into the windows vulnerability. We're going to talk about a big windows vulnerability. Um, We're going to talk about a hospital in um, California that got hacked and what that means and what that looks like. Our friends over at our evil in Russia are back. Um, everybody thought maybe they were secretly arrested by some secret police or something like that, or some crazy, interesting story. And it really wasn't. And now they're back and they're striking with ransomware yet again. Um, we're going to talk about that and show you some interesting stuff as to what they're doing. And, uh, Apple along with Microsoft had a big, uh, update yesterday. I think it was, uh, with major vulnerabilities in their products. Uh, so here we go. We're going to jump into it. Um, before I pull up anything on the screen, is there anything you guys want to talk about outside of what I mentioned? No. All right, cool. So let me pop up my screen here. We're going to jump into, um, we're going to talk about this Microsoft vulnerability first off guys. And, uh, a lot of people had thought initially that with this vulnerability, um, all you had to do was, I guess, update or or turn on the security settings for your office or make sure that they were at the highest level. And then it, it I guess that came out on Thursday. And then over the weekend, uh, it was basically discovered that that didn't work, that you they were able to exploit this in other ways outside of Microsoft Office. So it really wasn't a problem isolated to office. It was actually a problem with a, you know, a DLL file or a a file that controls windows. Um, So Andre, what do we know about this to date? 
I kind of updated everyone, got us up to where we are on the weekend. Um, is there a patch for this? And and what can what can we start doing? And what should we do? Actually, I'm going to toss this one to Randy because I'm oh, not wow, too familiar. Okay. Yeah, not too familiar with not this one. So there's not a patch for this um, as of Saturday. So there's proof of concept um, way to exploit it, which is basically where they, they say, hey, here's how it can be exploited. They go to Microsoft. They tell them about it. That concept is in the wild and is far as I know, is actively being exploited right now as as we speak. You are right about that, sir. It is being exploited live. Um, and right now there is no patch for it. Um, and I guess the big thing is, is like, what can what can users do? Right. Because Microsoft has put out some some guidance. Um, I think they've had to re revise it a couple of times as to what people can do to protect themselves. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you got a Andre or Randy? I don't know who knows about this like I do, but of the guidance you've seen to how you can work around this from a technical standpoint, um, is that something that the average bear should be getting into? Or, you know, is that something, is that really a practical recommendation for all the people that could potentially be exploited by this? I have read that some, some security software is attempting to prevent this from happening. Correct. Um, on the um, MDR type level, um, which is, you know, not just scanning for files, but actually watching for anomalous behavior um, on your machine and around your machine. And then I laughed just because I know one of the mitigations they recommended was turning off ActiveX controls in Internet Explorer. Now, I know that Internet Explorer is still a thing, um, you know, and occasionally we'll run across somebody um, in our, you know, uh, customer base that is basically forced to use it. Um, I haven't seen that in the last few months, but it was typically banks would require Internet Explorer. So their so their scanners would would work with, you know, the the online their website. Mm -hmm. um, but I have seen some of the last holdouts finally move away to that away from that. And then also Edge now has an Internet Explorer mode. So if you have a site that demands Internet Explorer, you can use it in Edge. Um, but I did laugh when I saw that, that organizations are recommended to disable ActiveX in Internet Explorer. I know that's a thing and I know that it's being used, but I laugh because it just feels like something from the 90s. Yeah. So we, you, you mentioned endpoint protection or your antivirus protection can pick up on some of the files that are being used in this. Um, I've seen, and you mentioned the ActiveX controls or at least making sure that their security is enabled or turned up on that. I've seen some uh, practical guidance given around registry edits and make you know making some changes to the registry to not allow certain things to run. Um, I don't like that. Number one, the average bear is not going to do a registry edit. You can really screw up your system if you don't know what you're doing. Um, number two, the registry edits disable certain features that. You know, if you don't know what you're doing, 
it could disable things. And then you're like, well, why isn't this working? You know what I mean? Or why, why can't I see this file? Like I usually do in Explorer because you're basically disabling the preview mode on word documents and RTF files when you do this. Um, so here we go with Microsoft putting out a solution like they did with print nightmare where they're like, we'll just turn off the service or, you know, or, or stop the feature in windows that's supposed to work and just stop it from working. Um, I know it's the only option that they have, but I really hate this approach uh, because it puts the onus or it makes it makes the average user need to do do things. It'd be like to me, it's like if something goes wrong with my car, I'm expected to fix it. I'm expected to know how and be comfortable with like going under the hood and ripping parts of apart and and fixing my car when i would never do that in a million years so i got to imagine somebody who's not like me who knows these computers is looking at a situation like this and kind of going through the same process so um i don't know do you guys have any thoughts opinions on what i just said there or should we just move on <laughs> well it probably um you're right on that i mean you're your average bear out there or like they say down under your average bloke out there um, is not going to, you know, know how to do all this stuff. <clears throat> and then, you know, there's going to be people, I would assume even IT people that'll be surprised that there's even ActiveX and Internet Explorer is still a thing because I know Inter Internet Explorer is quickly approaching end of life and is, is going to be phased out completely. Um, so probably you need to direct this if you're a business owner, direct this to your IT professional is I think the bottom line is, you know, that your, your average person's not going to be able to do anything about it. Um, so, right. and if you don't work with an IT professional, so like if you're, I don't know, like this is what annoys me about this whole situation. Yes. This, this affects businesses and this, this is obviously something businesses need to uh, read and react to, but Think about your grandmother. Think about your aunt. Think about your mom, you know, who's they still have this vulnerability on their system as well. Right. And they don't have a security team to go to. Right. So um, or, or an IT team to go to to help them with that. So let's break it down for that type of person who might be listening or watching our, our live recording of our podcast. Because Microsoft did say some things kind of at the bottom of their of their release that basically says, you know, you really just got to be vigilant on what you click on and don't open up two specific file types or, you know, and just so people have this awareness, right? You're going to get an email. You're going to get a spam uh, a phishing email. It could come in a lot of different ways. It doesn't always come in as one single email that is uh, a word uh, a, a Word document or an RTF file. So RTF files, similar to a Word document, just has different extension at the end, but it's something that you basically open in Word just like a Word doc, okay? Just so people know that. Microsoft has put out guidance that says just don't open these types of files if they come in to your email, especially if you weren't expecting it from a trusted source or you didn't get it from a trusted source, right? So um, people's email accounts can be compromised and like I my email could be compromised and a hacker could send an email to Randy and Randy's like oh what did Brian send me and because Randy thinks like Brian would never send me a virus he clicks on it without thinking twice but if he wasn't expecting that attachment or that email from me in the first place 
that should raise a red flag with Randy to reach out to Brian and say, hey, Brian, did you just send me a Word document? Because I wasn't expecting anything from you rather than just clicking on it. So these are the things that you want to know and be aware of and keep in mind. So you understand that you can't just trust anything that comes into your inbox. Also, with that being said, it could also come in the form of a link where that link has the Word document or the or the attachment or the, the RTF file linked to it versus coming in as an attachment. We're also seeing an uptick in emails that are spoofed, meaning it didn't come from my email address, but it has my name at the top. It's just an email address I don't use. Um, and it's not, it doesn't have a link. It doesn't have an attachment, but it's saying something like, Hey, can you talk right now? Or, Hey, are you free? And the idea is, is that the person doesn't pay attention. They reply to it and they say, Oh yeah, I'm available. And then the link comes in and then, or the attachment comes in where it says, Hey, can you open this for me and look at this? Or can you click on this link and, and open this link? This is how these things are going down right now. And we wanted to provide that awareness. I don't know if either of you have anything to add to that, but I at least wanted to paint that picture for people. So really the only thing I think people can do right now is avoid clicking on these types of emails and making sure you're being like super vigilant right now as to what you open, what you click on, either through email, through social media, you have to scrutinize everything before you do it. Yeah, I would add to that. Microsoft has a feature with 365 called Safe Links, where you're basically your um, your link is opened in a sandbox, if you will, or analyzed before you you click you click. It goes through some other goes goes through some other steps before you actually get the end result. Um, such a huge need for that right now. Um, with this and you can mouse over and it'll show you the original URL. So you can still do your checking. Um, but just adding in another layer because when you're tired is when they get you. And the thing is, or when you're frazzled and, you know, currently right now, because of the pandemic and all this stuff, like frazzle rates in our world are, are high anyway. Um, so adding in that extra layer, of protection, you know, in case you are frazzled and click on a link, you know, that it doesn't end in doom, that it actually, you know, puts up another hurdle. Um, I would highly uh, suggest that. Yeah, I'm going to, if you could just for one second, bear with me here, I'm going to pull up, uh, I'm going to pull up a, an email I got today and show everybody what you're talking about there, because I think it's important. Um, i got to just clear off some things on my screen here. Sorry. Uh, let me do pop this open, share my screen. All right. So here's a phishing email that I got. And we're actually, my team and I are actually going to take this email later on today and put it in a test mm. lab and see, see what happens with this thing. Um, but <laughs> this is, you know, this is an, this is an Amazon, what looks like an Amazon email. Now why it caught my attention is, um, I've never seen Amazon and you're done. Like, or at least if that was their slogan at some point, I don't remember it or mm -hmm. it's been so long. So the, the, like I started to see a lot of red flags here with this email. Obviously it's coming from Amazon. So that checks out, right? Amazon.com store news at amazon.com. Right. Looks, looks like it checks out. 
I would probably question the store dash news email address, right? Two, when I don't see my name in the two, that's that's a red flag for me, right? That's that's weird. That tells me it was probably my email was probably BCC'd and with a bunch of other people's emails um, from wherever this was sent from. And then we start going, scrolling over these mm -hmm. links, right? These yeah. images that look like they have links, right? And as Randy mentioned uh, when he was talking there, these links, when you scroll over them, a little thing pops up here, right? And this happens to say file storage.googleapis.com slash something, something. It's a really yes. long, weird URL, okay? <clears throat> now, how would you know if this is a legitimate URL or an email from, from Amazon? Well, you got to kind of think about things a little bit, right? Google and Amazon compete with one another. What are the chances that Amazon is using Google's servers or Google's APIs when Amazon has their own whole hosting company, right? Where they provide hosting services and AWS infrastructure, just like Google does. I don't think Amazon would be sending you to a Google link, right? Um, yeah. And as you scroll down this page, you'll notice that it's the same link for everything that you scroll over. Now, a couple other things is this image is terrible, right? I don't think Amazon in a million years would send an email that looks like this. So that's another. So we're up to like three or four red flags at this point. So you, these are the things you should be looking for in your email. So before you go clicking around on stuff. Let me let me throw in there real quick. If it if if it is a link to any kind of a cloud storage, you should be extremely extremely uh wary. Even if it yeah. even if it was Amazon cloud storage, any kind of cloud storage because that's where they can put a document. That's one of the ways they're trying to get around these the safe link idea because the link checks out is not safe, but then you go to the cloud storage and something in there gets you. Yeah. And then all these links are the same throughout the, the whole email until you get down here to the bottom. And I want to point this one out too, because it's important. Um, click here to remove yourself from the email list, right? So somebody's sitting here going, what the hell is this? I don't want this. I don't want to get emails from Amazon. I'm going to click on the unsubscribe. Well, the unsubscribe is a different looking URL. Hmm. It's a bit.ly link, right? <laughs> it's going to the same place. And what bit.ly is, is it's a link url shortener so if you Just have a really, hide long, really long url you can use a service like bitly to shorten it down um usually used for twitter and things like that because you're 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 limited on how much text you can use so services like bitly became popular but hackers also use them to disguise their links right so if I clicked on this link, God knows what would happen. I'm not going to do it, but I wanted to, to I had this in my inbox. I got it yesterday or last night and I wanted to share it with everyone because Randy's comments were on point, but I, you know, I wanted to share it with everyone and give them that perspective of, you know, what the hell these things look like. And guess what? I have a very good spam filtering mm -hmm. system on my, on my company's network and I still get these, right? So you, it doesn't matter. I probably get, one or two of these or three of these a week. Um, it's probably less than what most people get, in my opinion, but we still get them. Yeah. Um, I've got to throw out there, like one of the top security rules for spam, do not unsubscribe from spam email. Yep. That They'll send it out to every known e email address on the planet. When you unsubscribe, you're sending a message to them that says, hey, this person is legit 
and this person opens up emails that, that don't look legit. And then the other thing at the beginning of that email, it said there was a sentence and then a space and a period. Right. Like, first off, Amazon's never going to do that. And right. the second thing we've been saying for years, if they could ever get all of that kind of stuff down, it would be really dangerous. And I just kind of laughed when I saw that because that ought to throw you off right off the bat. When there's bad grammar at the top, that ought to throw you off and you ought to know something is going is going wrong with that thing when there's bad grammar, bad punctuation and things like that. Yeah, that's a great point. A hundred percent. And you're right. The day that we're going to be in trouble the day that they actually clean up their grammar. But thankfully we have that as another thing that we can evaluate and say, this doesn't look like it really was created by people at Amazon who are paid a lot of money to create marketing and not make mistakes like this. Um, so you got to really look at the source and, and evaluate where it's coming from and evaluate whether or not that really came from Amazon. But I have to say, of all the phishing I get, that was a pretty good one, right? That was a pretty good one that if you're not fully aware, you may have clicked on that or fell on that because it basically looked like Amazon was like giving me discounts on stuff. And who doesn't like a discount now and then, right? Exactly. So- Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. One thing I wanted to add too was that also be careful when you're online and if you're looking for like a photo, like a clip art or anything like that as well, or a template, sometimes you may need like a, a maybe a payroll template um, from Word or something and you're just searching online. A lot of times those as well have malicious code in it that could also get into your computer. Yep. Cool. So. I got up on here uh, a new, we're going to jump topics real quick. We're going to switch over to this uh, hospital out in California that got ransomware. And uh, looks like they have, they got ransomware and their, their patient data is already being leaked out on the web. So uh, pretty quick for something that I think that happened towards the end of August. So Andre, what do you know about this? What's going on here? Why is this important? Yep. So we have a Los Angeles-based Barlow Respiratory Hospital where um, they got hacked. And go ahead, click on that news release, Brian, so we can see uh, exactly what happened. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, you want me to go to the news? Yeah, number one. Yep. Yep. Let me uh, click on that real quick. Uh, wow. This is pretty sad, Andre. I know. Know. That's why I wanted to show it. (laughs) (laughs) You got to share it, though. They can't see it. Yeah, I got you. Cool. There there we go. I was like, you really want me to show this? It's kind of my first reaction, but go ahead. I guess they got Richard Nixon's uh, PR company to uh, let them know what what happened here. So essentially, yeah. Yeah, that was it. That's all. Thank they you. <laughs> At least sorry. Yeah. So for those of you that are listening, basically, it's a one sentence uh, PR that just says that on August 27, our electronic system was breached by unknown outsourced force. And then that's it. So first off, re- really bad PR in this aspect, um, not telling anything tight lip. And for me, that that's just a horrible sentence there. So um, essentially now here we are in September and they are now saying that the attackers or hackers have now released a lot of their um, patient electronic health records information. And uh, more than likely it was because they didn't pay the ransom or it could be as we talked about some type of double, double exploitation. 
All right, I'm going to pop back to the. I'm going to pull that article back up. And uh, I, Randy, is there anything in here that you want to talk about? Yeah, and you probably shouldn't ask because I'm fixing to get started, man. Because yeah, let's do it. Okay, so first off, another hospital. We looked just two or three weeks ago. We looked at a survey where we 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 saw. I think it was in the sixty-ish percent or more of hospitals in the previous six months had had some kind of ransomware. They, the, the IT people at the uh, hospitals filled out this form. They had high levels of unpatched known huge bugs. I don't know what it's going to take, but hospitals as a rule make pretty good money. They've got to start getting their systems up to snuff, up to date, up to speed. I don't know what it's gonna take. Every time I see one of these, it's so frustrating because these things, I mean, obviously ransomware is going to happen. Attacks are going to happen. But these kind of things are just, it's just, my stomach just churns. I see this day in, day out, and we've got to do something about it in our country. Um, and this particular group, the Vice Society, is hitting a ton of hospitals um, and a ton of medical uh, facilities right now. Um, we've got to do something about it. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I am started. I'll take a deep breath now and turn it back over to you. <laughs> well, hey, number one, we appreciate the passion. We get it. We understand, you know, why you're, why you're passionate about it. I think all three of us on this call share, share in that. Um, but what can we do? What, what, where, where does this start? I guess from the perspective of, if I own a medical facility or hospital, what are some high level things that I should be aware of and thinking about doing? And what can I do as a patient if I find myself with my information out there and I'm like freaked out about it? Cause I don't, I don't understand, you know, is this serious or, or, you know, but I just don't like the fact that somebody knows I've been treated for some kind of illness or what have you. Notice on number three, though, it says that we have learned that some data was removed from certain backup systems without authorization. So it seems that the, the hackers, um, or excuse me, it seems like the, this healthcare organization didn't have any type of protection on their backup systems or um, the data was not encrypted either. Yeah, and uh, uh, I think it was about two months ago, maybe maybe a month ago on our podcast, we went through what the federal government's cybersecurity arm said, you know, hey, these are the top, like, I think it was 12 things. You can do them. They're relatively easy and they'll protect you, you know, 95% of the time. I don't remember exact, the exact figures on that, but one, that's what hospitals need to do. I mean, they need to get their, their machines that are end of life need to be updated. They need to update their security software. They need to add intrusion detection, you know, breach detection. They need to, you know, have their system being watched for anomalies. They can put in zero trust. I mean, those are just a few things off the top of my head. And I would say for any individual watching this, one of the things you should do is like today or tonight, go and lock your credit report. It takes like five to 10 minutes per bureau. Um, I did um, mine and my wife's took about 60 minutes. And basically what that means is if they use any of this information to try to open up an account in your name, 
um, then you're, you're, uh, it's, it's blocked. They won't be able to, to access your credit. You can go in, you can turn it on for a little bit. If you're like applying for a car or whatever, um, and then you can go back in and turn it off. That's one thing. And then also we have to just be ready for the day when you get an email that says, Hey, Randy down in, you know, somewhere down in Texas who has salt and pepper hair. And, you know, we're going to just have to get used to the idea of these emails are going to be super personalized and we're just going to have to be 10 times as much diligent because as diligent as we are now, 10 times more diligent than we are now, just because every time one of these leaks happens, that just gives them more information about us to use against us. Andre, anything you want to add? You started. Uh, no other thing for, for business owners listening to this, you know, go back to your network closet or your server room and take a look at the hard drive that's plugged into your server. Is it just like a, a Best Buy, Western Digital or some type of, you know, consumer hard drive that uh, that's plugged in? Because essentially that's that could have been what happened here where it was just a consumer level um, hard drive that um, was backing up, which was great. But then there was an extra step to um, to to protect it. Good stuff. And then always remember my favorite thing. You should be working on some kind of framework in your business for cybersecurity. So at a high level, if you don't even know what a framework is and you've never heard of it, just to be blunt, you're probably working with the wrong IT company, number one. And number two, it's gross negligence at this point if you don't know what a framework is and at least are in tune to how a framework protects your business from cyber criminals, among other things. Um, but it's important. Um, so jumping right along, our boys over at Revel in Russia are back. Yep. I think it's important to talk about this and bring awareness to this because a lot of people after the Kaseya breach – there are tons of theories out there. I heard so many crazy theories about what happened to these guys. Um, I kind of didn't buy into any of it. I think Andre, when we talked about it, I think we said they went on vacation. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Interestingly <laughs> enough, they came back right around Labor Day, but they didn't strike too hard on Labor Day. Right. Um, they did come around. We we I believe if we go back to that podcast right after Kaseya, you said those exact words, like they'll be back around Labor Day. And yeah. you were pretty much right. So they're back. They're um, two things. They're releasing stuff on their happy blog again, which is where they release. That's their leak site on the dark web, which if you don't know, all these cyber criminals, the well-organized ones, all have a place on the dark web that they release your data when you don't negotiate with them. So if you negotiate, if you're negotiating, you're actively negotiating with them, they will not release your data on these sites. But as you, if you tell them we're not negotiating with you or anything along those lines, they start releasing this data in the hopes that the more and more that they release, the more you're willing to change your mind about working with them or, and or paying them. So um, the other thing is, is that they uh, revel, uh, there has been indicators on sites like Virus Total that, a, the strain of the rebel ransomware is being picked up and detected once again uh, after it's been gone for a while. But all their servers are back up and running. So you, just to take it down for you real quick, they have the, the 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 blogs where they release the information, but they also have all these different other 
uh, servers set up throughout the dark web uh, that serve as payment uh, gateways or payment servers so when you need to make payment. Um, they also serve as the, the, the way that they get the decryptor and the, and the tools that they need to get your data back. Um, there's a whole network of servers on the dark web that these guys use to enable their operations and do what they do. So um, <clears throat> I just wanted people to have that perspective because I don't think people know what actually goes on with these criminal organizations, that they have a full network of servers running on the dark web that do various functions and things like that. All of these servers have returned for this criminal organization. So um, what do you guys know about our, our, our evil? Jesus, I keep saying, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to get uh, uh, <laughs> somebody, you know. somebody's going to beat me up for saying rebel. Um, so what do you guys know about our evil today? Have you seen anything? What are you guys looking at here? Yeah, I'll, I'll be very surprised to see if they follow uh, Biden's uh, rules and see what they go after if they if they don't go after those um, X amount of industries that President Biden said not to touch. So um, uh, and of course, we know that they want to kind of keep things on the down low where they don't want too much attention. So also, I'll be surprised as well as to see if it's just going to be more smaller and mid-sized businesses that um, won't make it to the news, but it'll be enough money for them to um, make it all worth it. Yep. Yeah, and I'll um, I'll summarize a few things from from this uh, article. Um, so this this gang um, or this group has a very good, solid reputation among other criminals, and especially un, uh, uh, among aspiring cyber criminals. Um, like you mentioned in your podcast, I think it was yes in your uh, in your uh, YouTube live. I think it was yesterday, Brian. Um, cyber crime is now the number one criminal activity. So here you here you have a group with a, with a great reputation. They have ransomware as a service, which means you know you can pay a certain amount of money, basically use all of their expertise and get all of their tools. And, and basically a criminal could extort using all of our evil stuff. And so it takes your, you know, your maybe your small time criminal, maybe somebody who's more, um, you know, not, not techie, not a hacker. Um, and it gives them the tools to become a cyber criminal and to make a, uh, a lot of money um, with it. So this is in the, in the uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this is not the greatest news, um, you know, that we could get. And we surely um, will expect to see a lot uh, coming out of this. Sir, good job. I agree with that 100 percent and good perspective there. So last thing we're going to dive into, guys, and this is kind of what I alluded to at the beginning of the show, because we already covered Microsoft's wonderful vulnerability that, you know, we have to deal with. Uh, and now we have Apple. Um, Apple. Apple doesn't get hacked. What are you talking about? Ah, yeah. Apple's are the most secure devices in the world, right along with Linux. Um, <laughs> you know, so where are we at with this, uh, Andre? What's going on? I know you did a nice video on your YouTube channel the other day, and I saw, saw it on LinkedIn, too. I don't know if they were the same video or separate, um, but... You did a nice video on this. Where are we at with this? What do people need to be concerned with? Why is this such a problem? 
And maybe let's talk about Pegasus a little bit and what a scumbag or I mean, what, are, what kind mm -hmm. of operations they're up to. So, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so essentially we have, um, typically when you get a text message or even email as we talked about, we always talk about being careful um, and not you know, clicking on something uh, on a website that you're not sure of. So this NSO group has basically taken it one level further where they will send a text message, be it um, just you know, saying hello, it can be a GIF, it can be a meme, and there's code behind that, that it, once it gets into your phone, it essentially opens it up and the bad guy can see um, your contacts, your browsing history, they have control of your phone. I mean, it's, it's a really, really um, big vulnerability that Apple has right now on their devices. It's a pretty scary, actually, a pretty scary um, vulnerability. And um, basically anybody with an iOS device has been vulnerable to this. They can just, well, one that receives text. They can just send you the text. And what it does is there is a sandbox, like we mentioned earlier. There's actually a sandbox that Apple has put into iOS and it actually, and the whole point was to take things in and run them through a sandbox for security. But this this actually used a vulnerability inside of that sandbox to give you full control to uh, the device. My my big concern here is why haven't we heard a peep out of Apple about this, or have we? Because I haven't, and I read about this Pegasus vulnerability um, two or three weeks ago. I think it was, it, I read it during our live event. Um, I, I got it on my newsfeed during the live event. I remember showing my wife and talking about it and saying, holy crap, this is crazy. And I, since I've not heard a peep um, out of Apple about it, um, I mean, I know they got on one hand, you don't want to go around and tell everybody in the world there's this big vulnerability. But on the other hand, you know, iOS users need to know, is there a fix coming for this? Are we working on it? Are we aware of it? I, I've actually steered people with active infections away from iOS devices recently just because of this particular vulnerability, because there's just no, you know, there was no, no mitigation. Nothing was mentioned. Puts a very bad taste in my mouth about Apple um, overall. What do you guys think about that? Should they be like out telling people they're working on it or should they keep their, their lips sealed on this? Well, th we, they, the reports are saying that this has happened since February and I think at minimum, they could have taken a, like an extra step. Like for example, I, I do get unsolicited text messages and it could have like either gone to a different group or put a little pop-up warning just to kind of say, you know, hey, be careful on this or whatever. But um, I guess until they could have figured out a fix, the fact that the fix came out yesterday would only mean that, you know, they, they were able to, um, to address it yesterday and test yeah. it and things like that. See, I'm, the, um, I'm so this, confused. That's a great question, but why do we have a picture of a guy holding a half of a lemon up for this article? Uh, <laughs> it says, "Update your iPhone now." Security expert has this advice after Apple said it had fixed the flaw in the in its message app. Maybe the phone is a lemon, or the product is a lemon. Uh, I don't I'm, just, know. I'm, I'm not drawing the, but I, go think, ahead. I digress. I think they <laughs> wanted to be the top of the uh, the news feed so they could get some clicks. Uh, and they didn't have time to go look up a real picture, and they just picked the first first one that they had. That was a 
uh, stock photo they could use without having a license. I guess. What I guess. I don't know. So a couple of things that you said there, Randy, that I want to kind of wrap up on here. Um, the problem is, and, and what I mentioned when we first started this segment with this group, this NSO group, their business is set up to find vulnerabilities in Apple products and not properly disclose them. So right. we basically have what's equivalent to what criminal hackers do on a daily basis, but it's a legitimate company because their customers are police agencies and governments around the world. And they don't work with, you know, just America or Europe or, you know, what I would call the civilized world. They're working with terrorist organizations. They're working with state-sponsored um, terrorist-type governments. They're, they'll work with anybody and give them this technology, which basically allows them to take over anybody's iPhone or anybody's Mac computer or anybody's Apple Watch. Um, so they're not going to Apple and disclosing this when they know about a vulnerability. It's being discovered through other means. And I think like with NSO's initial discovery of, of their of their iPhone exploit, it was discovered because a reporter in a Middle Eastern country got, got killed. And they found this malware on this reporter's phone. And that's where you know they went down that rabbit hole and figured out this is what this Israeli company NSO is doing. So um I don't believe in their practices. Like we have to have a certain level of standard uh, in this industry when we do things. And, you know, that is tantamount to me to any other industry that's regulated or you need to have a license to practice in. That's just malpractice from straight from any security person. If you're out there calling yourselves a security company and you're doing things under the name of security, and that's how you choose to operate, then we really need to better define what the standards are in this industry. Yeah, unfortunately, um, it's an Israeli company. So as far as the U.S. is concerned, there's no uh, there's no nothing they can do. Right. Well, I mean, I don't want to get political, but we give Israeli a lot of Israel a lot of help hmm. in a lot of different areas. Yeah, just there was like, a group. Just um, like we're, we're asking Russia to put pressure on these criminal organizations hmm. who really aren't legitimate companies that operate legitimately in the open. They're, they're, you know, they're underground, which is a much harder type of thing to control and identify who the players are versus a legitimate company that's incorporated. You know who the officers are. You know who the people are. You can walk into their office which you can't do with most cyber criminals that deal with ransomware and stuff like that. <clears throat> so it's a different, you know, it's a different situation. And I, and I think, you know, this group has created a lot of attention. I'm sure they got a lot of a business about it. I'm not sure what the exact answer is, but I might, my, my instinct is, is that our government needs to put the same pressure on Israel that they did with Russia. Um, but then again, you know, there's a debate on whether the Russian, you know, pressure was just, you know, words, right? And no action. So right. 
Yeah, at the end of the day, um, we all need to update our iDevices and um, make sure because, you know, I also see this happening. It's going to have the same situation we have with legacy devices when it comes to like Windows 7 or old applications. We we're, I see ourselves having this issue as well, where you're going to have um, someone like a business even that has their iPad for medical office and they may have some type of EHR app or something where they said, nope, it has to be this version of iOS. We can't update it. And then now hackers are going to go after that. Yep. So I have nothing else to add on this. Just update your iPhones, update, update your Apple watches and update your Mac computers. If they have an update, apply them and you should just, that should be a regular practice for you, regardless of an event like this or not. When those updates come out, don't snooze them, pause them, put them off for a week or two. Just do them when they come out, right? Yeah. That's the best advice we could give. So anything else you guys want to add today? Thanks for your time. Appreciate it and insight. It's always valuable to our, to our listening and watching community. So we're going to wrap up the show this week, folks. Um, we'll come at you next week with, I'm sure, a slew of new stuff because who thought seven days ago we'd be talking about yeah. all the things we talked about today. So um, there's no shortage of news in this world that we live in. And that's why we're bringing it to you because it doesn't always make the mainstream media. This stuff is real. Uh, it's going to impact your business. It's going to impact your own personal life one day. And our goal is, is to get you ahead of the curve so you can protect yourself and awareness is the key to that. And that's what we're doing here on this channel. So if you learned anything, if you liked anything, remember, share out our show. Um, I posted links on my Facebook to all the different places you can download our podcast. Um, Randy, Randy and uh, Andre, you can go grab that and share that out to your community. Um, I put the, in the comment section I, I, of the post, I put all the links. Uh, so you guys can watch us here. You can watch us on Facebook live, YouTube live when we record, or you can download the recording of the podcast and listen on your own time through any of your favorite podcast platforms. So we thank you for that. Thanks for joining the show and we'll see y'all next week. All right.